from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for another episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Thank you for tuning in. A day later this week after the Martin Luther King holiday, thank you for sticking with us. We got a lot to get through this week. Some big games on the horizon as well as some important topics to get into on today's show. Ryan Ross here, of course, with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Guys, welcome back to another week. Our final show in the month of January. That's significant because, of course, February, the shortest month, stands in between us and March. We're getting towards the end of the season, uh, conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament around the corner. And I mentioned conference tournaments because, well, frankly, we're running out of time with all these cancellations and postponements we've seen around the country and specifically here in New Jersey. Uh, Jerry, I know you have a lot of opinions about this, but the status of conference tournaments in this 2020-2021 season with everything going on, can they work? So why are we talking about conference tournaments in, in mid-January? Because we've reached the halfway point of the season, and I'm starting to hear uh, chatter from various people, insiders, about the backlog and the problem that's coming at the end of this season, okay? We, everybody agrees the most important thing is that the NCAA tournament must be played, and it will be played. But in the meantime, you have all these COVID-related postponements that are starting to add up. So, for example, Seton Hall plays a Villanova team tonight, and Villanova has had four straight games postponed. Those games are not all going to get made up, okay? Um, St. Peter's just went off, play, didn't play for three weeks. Fairleigh Dickinson hasn't played in a month. These games aren't, a lot of these games are not going to get made up. So you're going to have games that get pushed back to the end of the season until there's no more dates. And then you're going to have games that don't get played. And what's going to happen is the regular season is going to run into the end of the first week of March as they jam in a bunch of these postponed games. Then you're going to go straight into these conference tournaments and then straight into the NCAA tournament. That's a recipe for disaster. You need to build in breaks, uh, some lead time to get it, make sure everybody tests and quarantines and is clean for the NCAA tournament. To me, the ideal time to do that is between the end of your regular season and the NCAA tournament. What purpose are the conference tournaments serving this year? You can't sell tickets. Uh, you, you are bringing everybody together in one place, which in a big city possibly, which could be a disaster, very difficult logistically. Uh, so, and you're taking up precious time when people should be quarantining and making sure they're clean for the NCAA tournament. So to me, what happens if you go straight from the end of the regular season to the conference tournament and then someone tests positive, like a favorite has to scratch from a conference tournament or you get to the semifinals and somebody can't play, a team can't play in the semifinals of a conference tournament. Not only does it mess up the integrity of that tournament, it then threatens that team's eligibility for the NCAA tournament, which is right on the conference tournament's heels. So I don't see the purpose. And these leagues are going ahead and planning for it. I, I think the, the risks outweigh the rewards to me. Cancel the conference tournaments, get as many regular season games in as you can, and build up a week or more lead time to the NCAAs. I think that's absolutely ridiculous, and I'll explain to you why. And even if it means shutting down some games at the end of the year that don't get played, I'm going to use an example of, let's just say, a one-bid league. You're going to ask these players to go through months of sacrifice, incredible pressure they're under, and then say, that's it, we're done. 
you know, whoever uh, has the best winning percentage is going to go to the NCAA tournament. You cannot do that. And it's not just a one-bid league. What about teams on the bubble that have gone through all of those sacrifices as well? I think you owe it to the players to be able to at least try to hold a conference tournament for them with everything they've been through. I know it's all about the almighty NCAA tournament, but you know what? It's got to be about the kids at some point, and I think conference tournaments are important, even if it means not playing some of those regular season games and just going into the conference tournament. I think you got to give these kids a chance. But, Steve, you're, you're, you cover the MAC, which has had a lot of issues with postponements. What happens if in, that con- in the middle of that conference tournament – Sienna, you know, one of the top teams has to scratch and pull out. And then they do. But you got to give them a chance. I, I, I really feel like you got to give these kids a chance to play this out with everything they've been through. If, if, they, can't, if they can't do it, they can't do it. But you got to try. And to me, the worst case scenario is because you convene teams for a conference tournament, you know, somebody comes out of that with COVID and then can't play in the NCAA tournament. And then that's the ultimate disaster. So I, I see what Steve is saying. I understand it, but to me, it's you have to just you're gonna have to pick your spots this year, and to me, that's the the least important thing. But again, Steve's right in the sense that that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna play the conference tournaments, but I foresee trouble. I want to say it now on January 19th. I foresee trouble <laughs> with the conference tournaments, and we'll go back. To, we'll get back to this later. A little yeah. disagreement's healthy, right? We're gonna <laughs> we'll go, we're gonna we'll be replaying. To Segments from this episode, I have a feeling later in the year. <laughs> Listen, none of us envy the people that have to make that decision. Let's just say that. Yeah, and it's 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 weird. And and by the way, I said this is our last show in January. We actually have one more show in January. I need a new calendar. But it, it's there's the pros and cons of it where you could also get a mixed bag where some conferences decide to play. Maybe others choose to sit out. Then you have the whole mess of what do you do with bubble teams? These teams that maybe need an extra win or two that they get in their conference tournament, or they go on a run and get the automatic bid. Uh, Some teams might have that opportunity. Others may not. You could also make the argument then, well, you better win some games in the regular season so that you don't have to worry about that. But not every team has that luxury. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Like Jerry said, it could be a disaster. You could literally wipe out an entire conference a week before the NCAA tournament. Or like Steve said, you know, these teams have gone through the regular season and these bubble teams that might need these wins, all of a sudden you're going to take that away from them. And we saw that last year uh, before the NCAA tournament was canceled with the um, Ivy League tournament. When that was canceled, uh, you know, they just give it to the regular season champion without having to play the tournament. Who knows if, I think it was Harvard, if they would have won outright in the conference tournament. We'll never know. So we might run into that as well this year but uh you know it's something we'll be debating and like steve said we might have to eat our words a couple weeks down the line from now uh hopefully uh, you know it all works out for all these teams Ryan, i, I want to prepare play. fans for something and it was yale by the way who would have got the automatic yale, bid, that's right you know, won the regular season but i, I want to prepare fans for something no matter what happens you're not going to get all the regular season games in so you you th- these games that are getting canceled now or postponed a lot of them are n- just not going to be played so you're now going to have, for the leagues that pride themselves on the home-and-home and, home and the balanced schedule, you're not going to have that. You're going to have uneven teams with amount of games for teams. It's going to come down to winning percentage when it comes to seeding, and there's no way around it at this point. So you do fans do have to be prepared. Like Xavier was supposed to come to Seton Hall last week. I don't know if that game's going to get made up. Kevin Wood doesn't seem to think so. And from now on, anything that gets postponed, there's a pretty good chance that game's not going to happen. 
It's going to be a mess. We already knew it was going to be a mess. It was a mess in fo- football. Now it's a mess in basketball, too. We, we knew this coming in, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. It's going to be a mess going into the potential conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament. Buckle up. It's going to get interesting. It's a race against the clock, really, at this point. You know, if you have several games to make up, here we are in mid to late January, and you're just really running out of time. You can't have these kids play every single day. So that's really what uh, these conferences are going to be going up against. Of course, we'll be following that. The other big topic of the day, and I know Steve and Jerry have been reporting on this, or they they will be reporting on this. Uh, Obviously, everything going on in the world, coronavirus is dominating the headlines. And then, of course, you have... Uh, the ongoing political discussion and, and things going on in our country, uh, you know, debates back and forth. Um, I know there's the stick to sports crowd that maybe won't like this part. There's the, the crowd that says, you know, these athletes deserve to have a voice and deserve to have their thoughts heard. But I know, Steve and Jerry, you've been talking to coaches around the state, uh, trying to get an idea on how they're discussing these political topics with their players. So I don't want to tip our hand too much, but yes, we've talked to we've talked to four. It's going to be five New Jersey Division One men's college basketball coaches, and the the general feedback I'm getting, and I know Steve got this too, was that when these coaches were players, these conversations never took place in their locker rooms. This is stuff that never had to happen. A locker room was not a place to discuss politics. Typically, stick to sports is over. It's impossible. It's impossible. So these coaches, the ones we've talked to, they've had to address the state of, of what's going on in America in their locker rooms. And, you know, if, even if they wanted to try to avoid that, it was unavoidable last week when the Capitol was under siege. So just to give you a little a little teaser, um, so Seton Hall plays Creighton Wednesday night, right? And they, they're out there in Omaha. The whole day is consumed by the siege of the Capitol. Seton Hall gets blown out. Creighton's very, very good. We talked about this. And then the next day, they go to Chicago for the next game. You know, Kevin Willard takes three three or four hours and spends the entire afternoon with his team just talking, sitting around talking about the state of the country. This stuff did not happen before. So th- these are things that are impacting basketball locker rooms this year. They are impacting mental health, as they are for much of the country, so it really can't be ignored. Yeah, and I, I will say this, that in a year with the pandemic that has put incredible pressure on coaches and tested them like never before add this level in now uh, this political unrest and you know you really have to assess the emotional temperature of your locker room on a daily basis i mean that is the most important thing right now more than x's and o's and you know it it really uh runs right through every player on the roster that you're looking at and they're watching what's going on 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 television and they're listening to you and seeing how you lead. So uh, it's a tough time for coaches right now. All right. So we'll put this all together in a story that's going to run on Wednesday and, you know, inauguration day. We'll post and online and run in the newspapers. But you, you, you in the past, they said don't mix sports and, and politics. It, we're not mixing them. They're mixed. We're just reporting on the way they're mixed. And we'll certainly be looking out for your reporting, of course. And let's get now switch gears into our team discussion. We're going to start with Seton Hall today because, of course, they have a big game happening tonight, Tuesday night, against Villanova. Uh, unfortunately, their their opportunity for some nostalgia playing at Walsh Gym was squashed over the weekend. That game with Xavier was called off. Uh, so, Jerry, we'll go to you. Uh, first, your thoughts, unfortunately, uh, we had this big discussion about Walsh Gym in last show. And it, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess, with uh, 2020, even in 2021, striking uh, striking down something fun again. 
So I spend a full day diving into the archives, right? Like knee deep into the archives, talking to people, getting photos, um, getting good story, old stories, putting this piece together about the great moments in Walsh gym. And then the game doesn't happen. Like <laughs> t- 10 hours after the story posts, before it runs in print, the it was game a good story, old. though. It was great. <laughs> I, I will say, though, I will tell you great this. Great story, Jerry. I will tell you this. It's the most feedback I've gotten on a story in, I don't know, in years. I got a tremendous amount of emails and and uh, social media posts. Uh, it, it really stirred up a lot of nostalgia and discussion for the beauty of an old school gym. So I do think it was worth doing, but it was just kind of, you know, a, kick in the, a little kick in the head, 2020 <laughs> style in 2021 that it didn't happen. And I know I think everybody was bummed. You know, I think Seton Hall was looking forward to playing that game. I don't know if Xavier was, but uh, everybody was kind of bummed. It would have been fun, but now we have to move on. And Seton Hall now will go in on, on 10 days rest against a team Villanova that's had a month off. And Villanova is a third ranked team in the country. Uh, Seton Hall has only beaten the number three team twice ever. They've never beaten one or two. Those two number three teams they've beaten were Villanova in 2014 and 2016 in the Big East tournaments. Now, Villanova is, is very good. I mean, they're they're number three for a reason. They're better in Seton Hall. But if you're ever going to play Villanova, this is the circumstance you want to get them in. Coming off a month without a game, a couple of their key players were just cleared yesterday. So they practiced over the weekend with eight guys. They added a couple of players. They had a full practice on Monday for the first time. Um, you're getting them off a long break with in a pavilion with no fans. And if you've been to the pavilion, you know, it's take the rack and shrink it by a quarter. That's the pavilion. I mean, it is one of the toughest places to play in the country. And they're getting the, the Villanova off a month's rest with no fans. So I think Seton Hall has more than a puncher's chance in this game. The stars are kind of aligning for them. Now, that said, if it was any other team other than Villanova, I would love Seton Hall's chances in this game. But Jay Wright is such an elite coach. He's so good at preparing his team and managing a game. And he has veterans. It's going to be tough. But I, I think it's going to be a very, very good game. Uh, Sandro Mamukalashvili, Seton Hall star player, he crushed Villanova twice last year. They had no answer for that matchup. So I see Seton Hall going to that a lot in this game. And the other thing is uh, Colin Gillespie, who's the All-America caliber point guard that makes the Wildcats go, uh, Seton Hall is a guy who can defend him. We know him well. Shavar Reynolds, the Jersey Shore zone, Manchester Township High School. He has defended Gillespie in spurts with success last year and the year before. The key is, can they keep Reynolds out of foul trouble? If he gets fouls, Seton Hall is cooked. They have no one else who could deal with Gillespie. And if you don't cut off the head, the body's going to kill you. So that's to me, those to me are the keys in this game. It should be a real fun one at 9 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, in terms of predictions, I, I think I might recycle my Rutgers prediction from last week, which, by the way, turned out to be right. Uh, Seton Hall won't get blown out. They won't get run out of the gym. But uh, that's a tall order to, to go into the pavilion. And, you know, even though there's no fans, it's the number three team in the country. And uh, if anyone can kind of figure out the blueprint for navigating a month off uh, during this crazy season, uh, you know, I would put a lot of faith in Jay Wright to be able to, to to navigate those waters. So certainly a tall order for Seton Hall. And then they turn right around. They have Butler on Friday. So I, I know many Pirates fans probably aren't thinking ahead to Friday there, Jerry, with this big game tonight. Uh, but what can we expect out of that game? Before we talk Butler, I want to see what Steve has to say about 
Villanova Seton Hall. Steve, you've covered all these Seton Hall Villanova games. You're going to do it again tonight with me. What do you think of this game? Well, I think your point on the pavilion is is right on. You know, that is one of the great on campus you know, uh, atmospheres in college basketball. It really is. It's so, so intimate and so tough to win there. So that is a huge thing. And, and you already brought up the, the Gillespie Shavar Reynolds. I think that will be fascinating. You know, Shavar Reynolds is kind of that underdog, kind of the junkyard dog against, you know, a potential all American in Gillespie. Um, I, I just think that is wildly interesting. Um, as for a prediction, uh, unlike, uh, Unlike you guys, I was wrong on that Rutgers prediction. So, uh, sadly for Seton Hall, I am picking them here. And uh, I, I think this, as Jerry said, this is the spot right here. If, if you're going to do it, and what a, what a jump start that would be heading into a stretch that, you know, you, you got Creighton coming up quickly. You got Nova again coming up quickly. Um, you know, a, this is a big stretch, and I, th- I think it'll be a good start for them. I'm going to pick Seton Hall, too, in a close game. And to me... If Seton Hall wins this game, they're in the driver's seat to make the NCAA tournament. So I think I do think they're going to make it anyway, but they're in the driver's seat. I just I like the way the stars are aligning. The key is Seton Hall has to get off to a fast start. You have a team that hasn't played in a month. You got to make that rush show early. So, but I do like Seton Hall in this game. Look, they're never going to run away from Villanova. They're going to have to earn it, and it's going to be close. But I like Seton Hall in a one possession game. As we sit here recording about 12 hours ahead of tip-off, so I know we're certainly looking forward to that game. And, of course, we'll be breaking that down on the next episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Uh, you might have noticed in our team's discussion, we started with Seton Hall today. Uh, Rutgers was knocked from the top spot, I guess you could say, in terms of our uh, order of operations for our team discussion. They lose 60-54 to 54 to number 10-ranked Wisconsin uh, Chris, what did you see out of that game? We we kind of predicted Rutgers would hang in there. Uh, they certainly had their chances. Um, is this kind of a a you know a loss that in a way could be spun as a win that they that they played well they played well enough to win, um, especially after the the previous week where they were blown out twice. Uh, what are your takeaways from this Wisconsin game? You know, I, I think it they looked more like the Rutgers that we kind of know or come to expect from them. They played tougher defense. Um, they fixed their rebounding. They rebounded Wisconsin 50 to 35, but their offense was just a mess. I mean, it was, it was totally disjointed. It, at times it didn't really look like they had a plan. They would get stops in the defensive end and then come down and just kind of chuck up some bad shots. Um, they got some good looks and they, they just weren't making them. That was also a big part of the problem. Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. are clearly off and Rutgers can win and overcome one of those guys being off and being in a slump, but both of them, they're just not going to be able to overcome that. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I don't really like saying that a team like that won by losing in a way, just by getting their defense straightened out. You know, you were number 11 in the country, you know, you've got to win some of these games. You've got to compete. you got to be in them. You know, you should be playing that way if you have those sorts of expectations. So I, I think that they certainly got back in some ways on the right track. And I'm very interested to see how that carries over into Penn state on Thursday you know, if they can go in and kind of beat a, a team that's obviously not ranked and is middle of the pack in a lot of categories. So, you know, they looked they look closer to what we've come to expect from them, but they, they still need to improve their offense or else I don't I don't see how they can you know bust out of the slump that they're in. Penn State is the tonic that Rutgers needs. <laughs> this is uh, the game. I If it was home, that would be even better. But even if even at Penn State, it's not a far trip. There's going to be nobody there. And that's a lousy home court anyway. Penn State's had a difficult year. They just came out of a pause. They did play one game after a pause. 
They had, you know, they had a coach fired right before the season started. I mean, Penn State, they have talent. Like, they can play. They're not terrible. They're not Nebraska, which is an automatic W. But you got to show up to beat them. I like Rutgers in this spot a lot. To me, Rutgers solved two-thirds of the puzzle against Wisconsin. Coming off a brutal stretch of the schedule, the stretch Rutgers just came off was brutal. They lost all four games. But they showed you they, they rebounded and they played defense like the Rutgers team should against Wisconsin. To me, Wisconsin's really good defense. Penn State won't have that. So to me, the offense will come together uh, just enough to beat Penn State. You'd like it if Rutgers could drop a 20-point hammer. I don't know if they'll do that, but they'll win. I think they'll win. I think they'll win by a couple possessions. And I will say this. Rutgers has to win one of two games this week. They're going on the road for two games. They're at Indiana Sunday. Indiana's better than Penn State. If they don't win either of these games, they're in big trouble. If they if they get a split, it's you know you can live with it and you build from there. If they win two, they're right back in good shape on the track. And I do think they'll get started the right way against Penn State. I like what I saw against Wisconsin. I saw some of that toughness and that grit come back after a couple beatdowns. I want to say one other thing. Rutgers fans, take a breath. Take a breath, okay? I know this is new territory for a lot of Rutgers fans and there's a lot of folks who just really watch football who are coming over to basketball for the first time and, you know, we're getting getting hyped up on this team. Look, this is this happens. This happens. Uh, Wisconsin lost, I think, four or five games in a row last year and won the Big Ten. You know, Seton Hall has had three and four game losing streaks almost every year. They wind up in the NCAA tournament. When you play in a good league, you hit bumps in the road. The, the panic and the level of vitriol I see – from Rutgers fans, and it's a sm- I understand it's not most fans, but it's a lot. It's enough loud fans that it's it's getting people's attention. It's ridiculous. Take a breath, okay? This happens. The season hasn't fallen apart. You've hit a tough patch. Let's see what happens this week before jumping the shark. Exactly, and you know the other thing too is we got, and we say this every podcast, and we're going to keep saying it for the every for the rest of the season. This league, the Big Ten, is an absolute gauntlet. Anything can happen. Losing four straight against very, very good Big Ten teams is not it's not the worst thing that can ever happen to a team. I mean, you look at what happened to Michigan the other day, losing to Minnesota. Um, just this is a gauntlet. And, and Rutgers is going through it. Now their schedule gets a little bit easier with teams like Penn State and Indiana. They got to go there and they got to take care of business in both of them. I do think, you know, they ha- look, Rutgers has to share the ball better. They got to move it better. They have to attack the basket more. Uh, they have to take some better shots and stop chucking the threes when they're not going in. They know what they have to do. But the team's playing hard. The idea that they're not playing hard, did you even watch the Wisconsin game? They played hard. Look, I knew, I could just feel it in my bones. When I saw Michigan just embarrassing Wisconsin, I thought to myself, that's not good for Rutgers. Wisconsin's too good of a program to lay down for two straight games. And I also thought I would really want to be the next team that plays Michigan after everything Michigan chucked up went in. And sure enough, Minnesota took them down hard. That's basketball. So, Rutgers has a chance to respond, and I just would say, again, to Rutgers fans, just stop piling on and let's see what happens and understand that there are going to be rough spots in a great league. Yeah, I I think Rutgers, if you're asking me, I think they get the sweep this week. I think, uh, you know, what Chris and Jerry said, they've kind of rediscovered that identity that made them so good at the beginning of the season. Yes, in the final score of that Wisconsin game, it, of, of course, didn't work out, but I think you started to see, you know, glimmers of the the Rutgers team that we know that they they can play that they know what they have uh I think you started to see that so I'll call for the sweep this week we'll find out I'll be eating my words next week of course probably but uh speaking of sweeps 
the team that has two consecutive sweeps uh, in our mid-majors, that's Mammoth And Steve, we talk about this a lot in this podcast. With this two games a week schedule, these doubleheaders, these teams are playing. If you can split, you're in good shape. But here is Mammoth, two consecutive weeks of sweeping their opponents. This week, it was Quinnipiac. How good are the Hawks? They're pretty good, and that's actually three straight home sweeps for Mammoth, which is important. You know, um, listen, Mammoth has has really shown itself to be pretty resilient. Uh, the first game against Quinnipiac last Friday night, they're down eight with just over a minute to play, have been absolutely outplayed for 39 minutes, and they come back. Marcus McClary, Patrick School product, drains a baseline jumper at the buzzer to send it to overtime and then they just absolutely crushed them in overtime and came back the next day and just a workmanlike victory uh like they should have um listen baker dunleavy is a good coach and you can see he is recruiting some really good young players but they're young and mammoth has a lot of seniors that are their best players so mammoth has an advantage there but you know moving forward your mammoth has a chance in this league where you know anything's possible based on covid right now you know you have iona iona's coming back to play on january 30th they will have been off 38 days wow. Can you imagine 38 wow. days when rick patino gets his team Say. back on the court he's got to be wondering why the heck did i come back yeah, <laughs> right you know you talk about maid madness you might need august madness you know so so there's them and and you know, in St. Peter's, listen, St. Peter's has had some rough luck. You know, they got shut down due to other people. Uh, but, the, you know, they've got to come back uh, and they're going to play on Friday and Saturday at Siena, which has won 16 straight games uh, dating back to last year. They're 6-0 wow. this year since coming off a long layoff to open the season. They won their last 10 games last year. That will be a very very interesting matchup up up outside Albany this weekend. So it really stinks. It really stinks for St. Peter's that they had to, they took three weeks off because without a positive test, because yes. teams they played, you know, they played Kinesius and they had they had COVID. St. Peter's had to take three weeks off without a positive test. That just stinks. Yeah, I mean that's it's just really crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and it's unfortunate. And as you said, it it wasn't them; it was other teams. And you know, it's hard to criticize leagues or programs for overabundance of caution in this day and age but you know that that is that's really really unbelievable i'm not going to criticize the mac i'm just going to say i feel really really lousy for st peter's and shaheen holloway and like how can you even evaluate coaches on this season i mean shaheen holloway's got a nice team he can't even get a game in not even because of his own team how can you even evaluate that you can't you can't evaluate anybody this season Steve, all the all the games you've seen in Mammoth over the years, you ever seen a comeback like the other night? Yeah, there's been a few. You know, they had one against uh, Canisius. I don't know if you remember Billy Barron, you know, who was Jim Barron's kid, who was like, he literally was like a 95% free throw That's shooter. That's right. Missed the front end of a one-and-one and, one and uh, in the last seconds and allowed Mammoth to come from like eight back with like 10 seconds left in the game. It was unbelievable. They've had a few like that, but this one is, I think is going to be really important for them because uh, just to kind of keep their momentum going and keep them in a really good standing in the league right now. And they have Manhattan coming up on Friday and Saturday. Uh, do you think Mammoth's able to keep it going against Manhattan? 
You know, they got to go on the road. The thing with Monmouth is eight of their final 10 league games are on the road now. They've had a nice run of home games. You know, you go in, uh, you got to go in and play Mass Yellow's team on the road. It's not going to be easy. Manhattan is not as good as Monmouth. But, you know, you go up there, anything can happen. If they got a sweep, that'd be great. But I think a split would be would be good for Monmouth this weekend. And we'll keep an eye on that. St. Peter's, as we said, Siena on Friday and Saturday. NJIT, they were swept by Albany this past week. They have Stony Brook coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Ryder was swept by Siena. They have Quinnipiac on Friday and Saturday. And FDU uh, looks like they will finally play again <laughs> this Thursday yeah, and finally. Friday. You know, another man, FDU, month, FDU's month. the league, the league favorites. They're one in one in the league. That's all they've played. You know, and they're coming back on Thursday against Merrimack uh, after a long layoff. I mean, how many games are they even going to get in in that league? I don't know. So FDU has had one. They've had three straight games postponed. They last played on December 22nd. It's going to be almost exactly a one-month layoff. And as we were just saying, there's nothing in the coaching textbook that will have a chapter about dealing with months layoffs in the in the middle of a season due to a pandemic. So you're right. right. Just, it's it's hard to evaluate anyone. Right. I just want to go back to Seton Hall Butler because we never got to that. Uh, yep. They play Butler Friday, and th- you know they Butler's a lot better now than they were when Seton Hall beat them a couple weeks back. Butler has Aaron Thompson back, po- possibly their best all around player. Uh, they just knocked off Creighton, which is a huge win. So to go out to Hinkle, even even a, a sparsely attended Hinkle, because they will have some fans there. And to win Friday night is coming off Villanova is going to be tough. I do think Seton Hall will take care of business there, but it's going to be they're going to have to play well, and it's not going to be easy, and it will probably be very close. Absolutely, and that game uh, against Butler on Friday. Friday. So of course we'll be talking about that in our next show. Yes, we do have one more show in January. Unlike I said at the top of the show, uh, we had a jam-packed show for today, though, guys. As we wrap things up, I know you already mentioned the uh, the article to look out for on inauguration day, but uh, Jerry, we'll start with you. Anything else our listeners can be reading across the USA Today Network, New Jersey? Yeah, well, we have our preview of Villanova Seton Hall out there right now. Um, you know, we'll have previews of Rutgers, Penn State, and Rutgers, Indiana. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It might be it might be a couple another special or two later this week, but that's what we got cooking at the moment. Steve, anything from you? Yeah, we're going to have some mama stuff later in the week on the games. But I've got an interesting story coming midweek. Uh, this weekend, Dave Calloway, the former Mammoth coach, who was a great player there, his freshman year at Mammoth was the first year of the three-point shot. And he has held the record, the program record, with 263 pointers. I mean, this guy was a groundbreaker in terms of three pointers. That record has stood for three decades, and it's going to fall this weekend. So we're going to catch up with Dave Calloway uh, midweek and and talk about those times and uh, the day he hit nine at Pepperdine. Again, nine nine three pointers in a game in 1990 was unheard of. You know, now guys drop nine pretty regularly in the first half yeah chris were you chris were you alive in 1990 no comment (laughs) (laughs) i don't think ryan was i was i I was was, was on the way i'll say that (laughs) (laughs) i was around i was i was under one but i was there all right on that note (laughs) chris anything uh to look out for this week for articles yeah, I'll be uh, diving deeper into the uh, Rutgers-Penn State game with a preview later this week. Obviously, like we said earlier, two huge games 
uh, Penn State and Indiana for Rutgers. They got to get their season back on track here. So we'll have more coverage and previews of those games uh, this week. Sounds great. Of course, a lot going on in the world of college basketball, and we'll be here every step of the way to break it down on Jersey Jump Shot. We had a great show today. Lots to get through. I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. For Jerry, for Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.